Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I was in Odessa, Texas, and I was at Walmart in Odessa. That's like being in the cave of the dark place, okay? Walmart in West Odessa. And so I'm standing there, and this lady comes up to me, and she wants me to get a credit card, a Walmart credit card. Like, that's really what I need, right, is a Walmart credit card. Not for me, for my wife. She would have that thing maxed out before we walked out the doors. No, it's not really. She's, she's not like that. She's better with money than I am. And um, anyway, I told this lady, I was like, I'd just gone through the Dave, who went through the Dave Ramsey class? Well, I had just gone through it, and that lady said, do you want a credit card? I said, Dave Ramsey would whoop my tail. I said, I just got through cutting up all my credit cards. I don't need one of those. And she went on and on and on, and she's like, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm a cowboy preacher. Her eyes got wide. She goes, I want to talk to you about something. How about it? We're in Walmart line. You know, that's a great place to witness. She said, I was watching TV the other day, and they had this special on revelations and the prophecy. I said, oh, yeah? She goes, yeah. And she dives into a 20-minute dissertation on some country is actually the Antichrist and the beast is another country. And oh my gosh, I mean, she was pulling stuff out. I mean, she put the Pillsbury Doughboy in there somewhere. I don't, I don't know where that actually fit in. And I, it was just crazy. And I was just standing there and I was trying to be polite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see. Okay, okay. She went so far into left field, I don't know if she was in the Bible or in the, you know, the Discovery Channel. And besides, you know what? If you get your biblical knowledge from the Discovery Channel documentaries, uh, no, no, pick up your Bibles, okay? Don't, don't listen to, to the media on, on, on a media documentary. But anyway, that's what she was doing. And she was doing all this stuff, and she goes, so pastor what do you think about all of that? I said, I could care less. She said, what? Did you see that ninja move? I just proved it to you. Y'all think I'm joking when I say that. (laughs) Ninja probably wouldn't have stepped on the cord in the first place, but sometimes I like to test my own ability when I don't know it's coming. Anyway, she said, what do you think about all that? Do you think that's true? And I said, I don't care. She said, why? You're a pastor. You should be studying scripture, and you ought to know who the Antichrist is going to be and who the beast is going to be and who the prostitute is and all of this and all of this. And I said, look, let me tell you, everything I need to know about Bible prophecy can be summed in this. Jesus said it was going to happen and be ready. He said it was going to happen and be ready. He said, it will come like a thief in the night. So when you read Revelations, and I mean, there are some people that are, are neck deep. They like that, that Revelation stuff. I'm not criticizing it, guys. I'm not. But I love Dave and Sue turned me on to Alistair Begg. He's a pastor out of Cleveland, Ohio, that's from Scotland. And I love what he says. And I'm going to adopt this as one of my own. The plain things are the main things, and the main things are the plain things. Does that make sense? The main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. And that's what we're going to talk about today, Revelations 21, 6 and 7. Now I'm going to be reading out of the NIV because I like the way the NIV says this. He said to me, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Can you picture Jesus sitting on his throne? And he's talking to John and he says, it is done. Remember the last time he said it was done? When he opened up that gate, that narrow gate for all of us to come in, the perfect sacrifice was ransomed off for each and every one of our sins. But now he has come back. He has come to set things perfect, not only in heaven, but on earth. And he says, he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. What does all that mean? And in that, it just doesn't that, isn't that a cool verse? Couple of verses. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Amen. Let's talk about that. The first thing in that verse, or those couple of verses, it has, it is done. What does that mean? You know, when you read the Bible, and this year in 2014, that's what I want y'all to do. I want you to get into your Bibles. I don't want you to just bring them to church. I want you to take them to work with you. I want to take them opened up in your homes. Don't just rely on somebody else to spoon feed you the word of God. We are getting mature now. We've been doing this for three years. Open up that Bible. In the Old Testament, two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament. The Old Testament spoke about Jesus that would come. It speaks of the coming Messiah. And people say, well, was Jesus in the Old Testament? Absolutely, because Jesus was the physical word of God. How many times in the Old Testament, you, or you will find in the Old Testament, many times where, where the Bible says, and the word of the Lord said to Abraham, who do you think that was? It was Jesus. All the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the one that would save everybody. The Old Testament talks about Jesus that was to come. The Gospels, Bible Gospels, what I mean is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels speak about Jesus is here. He's here. Acts, which is the next book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. The Old Testament spoke of Jesus to come. The Gospel says Jesus is here from his birth to his death and a little bit after. Acts talks about how the the disciples who are now apostles are spreading that word of God. Acts is Jesus preached. And then you get into all the letters of Paul. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to teach you a fancy word. Okay. This is a fancy church word. But in case you hear it somewhere else, I don't want you to go, well, how come our preacher never told us what that means? It's called epistles. Okay. That's the, that's the ones that, uh, that Paul wrote, the letters to the churches. It is not the apostles' wives. Okay. It's not the apostles and, and their wives, the epistles. The epistles are the books of the Bible that Paul wrote. Okay. For your information, FYI. The Old Testament spoke about Jesus that would come. The gospel spoke about Jesus here. Acts spoke of Jesus preached. Paul's letters explained Jesus explained why he did things, how we're supposed to act, all of this stuff. Paul's letters explain Jesus, and Revelation speaks of his coming back. Everything has happened except Revelations. All of this book has already happened, and there's still a little bit left to happen. But Jesus says, 
Revelations 21, 6, he says, it is done. It will happen. In the previous verse, in verse 5, Jesus had said, write this because these words are true and can be trusted. Everything the Bible said would happen did, and everything the Bible says is going to happen will. That's why Jesus says, it is done. There can be no mistaking. You can believe differently if you want to. You can be wrong. It is done. Then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In the book by William P. Young, have y'all ever heard of William P. Young? A lot of you have. Have you ever heard of the book, The Shack? That's the author of The Shack. If you have not read The Shack, I highly recommend it. It is a great book for opening up your eyes to a different way of viewing uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the book by William P. Young called The Shack, God points out the window to Jesus. Jesus is in a, in a, if I'm not mistaken, he's in a red plaid shirt, and he's standing on the dock, and he's fishing. God points out the window to the main character in the story, and he says, it's all about him. God is pointing to Jesus, and he's talking to the main character, and he says, it's all about him, my son. It always has been, and it always will be. He's the reason for everything. In Colossians chapter 1, I believe, the Apostle Paul says, for everything was created through Christ for Christ. What could the God of the universe, who could speak anything into existence, what would, be, what would bring him the most joy? Giving himself away. Everything that God had, he gave to Christ. That's why Christ sits on the throne. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. When Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, you want to scramble your, your, your uh, mac and cheese? Try to think about this. Jesus had lived forever before eternity started. That'll make you, if you think about it too much. We can't comprehend that. Jesus had, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had been forever before forever started. They will be here after forever ends. We can't comprehend that. We say it's not possible, but it is. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We're talking about they had lived an eternity's worth of eternities before our eternity even started. I'm starting to twitch now. You should too. I'm serious. You don't want to think about this about 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it, it will mess with you, I promise. <laughs> your, cut, your left eye starts kind of turning. It doesn't close. It turns sideways in your head. But you know what, and, and me and Renee were talking about this this morning. In an eternity worth of eternities, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Who are we in that? We are one flap of a fly's wing in the grand scheme of everything. We are just one flap of a fly's wing, and yet we try to make this world revolve around us and our wants and our wishes. What does a fly's wing know about love? happiness, joy, meaning, and purpose. But yet we think, oh, this world revolves around us and our wants and our desires. We're just the flap, one flap of a fly's wing in eternity. And we try to make it about us. It's not about us. It's about him. The one that's going to sit on the throne, the one that says it is done. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. What do we know about love, happiness, joy, meaning, and purpose? Then he says, to him who is thirsty. I had my wisdom teeth taken out years ago. And to, to say the least, I was a little bit goofy whenever I come up out of that surgery. You think I'm silly and stupid, sober, you ought to see me high. It gets real entertaining and my wife loves it. 
I think she'd have some laughing gaffs on stock just to, when she's in a bad mood to give me a shot or two of it. But anyway, they had put me under to pull all my wisdom teeth and I come out and they wanted me to take this pill before, you know, first thing, take this pill. So anyway, we, we left there and Christy had to get on to me three or four times for something or another. And we stop at this 7-Eleven and I mean, I, I am, man, I feel like I've had like four shots of rompum. And I'm sitting there and Christy goes in and she comes back out with this Gatorade and I have this pill and I take the top of it off and I take a drink and it all runs out my mouth. Christy said, you're spilling it. I was like, I'm going to that. Sorry. I take another drink and it just spills out of my mouth. She goes, you're spilling it everywhere. I said, I can't keep it in my mouth. I can't feel anything. See, see. And I start hitting myself and I was like, I can't feel anything. Here, hit me, hit me, hit me. She didn't take the shot. I gave it to her. It's not my responsibility that she didn't take it. She had one shot just to... Didn't happen. To him who is thirsty. You notice that Jesus didn't say, to him who wants a better job. He didn't say, to him who wants more money. Jesus did not say, to him who strives for power. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, to him who thinks themselves worthy. He didn't say that. To him who wants only for themselves. He didn't say that. Those type of people, they try to drink from the water of life and it just runs out. These people will try to drink but will not be able to swallow. If you're just coming to God so that, so that you can get a better job, so that maybe you can get some more money, get that raise or promotion at work, you only say a prayer if it benefits you or if you think you're going to be somebody because you're a Christian now and so that people will look up to you, you're going to try to drink from the water of life and it's going to run out the corners of your mouth. Like rabid dogs, they foam at the mouth in need of water but cannot swallow. We've all seen them. What does Jesus say though? He says, to him who is thirsty. What does that mean? To him who can see past the mud pies of the world and glimpse majesty. To him who has heard my call and wants to ride for me. To him who has been stripped of all falsehood and wants to live forever. Those are the people that can drink. He says, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. I was sitting there this morning trying to think of how I could explain that. And what I pictured in my mind was, and follow me here. I know that this is maybe a little bit of a stretch. I'm going to compare us to donkeys. And since we have children here, I will not use the other word, mules. No, not really. <laughs> No, not really. Imagine God saying, you know what? I'm going to give the carrot of life to these donkeys so that they can live forever. And he ties a, a pole to their head and that, that carrot runs out there. And hanging off the string is the carrot of life. The donkey knows that that's the carrot of life. Somebody has told him that if he eats this carrot, he will live forever. He will find purpose. He will find meaning. He will find everything that he needs in this carrot. But no matter what he does, he can't get to it. It's right here. So what does he do? He tries to buy the carrot somewhere else, but it doesn't work. No matter how many times he sees the commercial, oh, you don't need that carrot. You just need this carrot. This will make you happy. He went to Jared's. No, it doesn't happen like that. You can't go buy the carrot somewhere else. Then what he decided to do is maybe if he stuck his nose in the air that that carrot would come down, but still it was just out of reach. No matter how much he walked around with his nose in the air, the carrot was still out of reach. 
He put a handkerchief over the carrot so that nobody could see it, so that everybody would think that he ate the carrot, and he walked around telling everybody, I ate the carrot. You can't see it there, so it must not be there. Look at me. We call those hypocrites. He tried to run fast, and if he ran fast, maybe the momentum would carry it. He would be able to reach out and grab it. He worked so hard. He ran, and he ran, and he ran, and he ran. And no matter how hard he ran, no matter how hard he worked, it didn't matter if there was a carrot for sale somewhere else. It didn't matter if there was a handkerchief over it. No matter what he did, he could not get the carrot. Finally, the donkey said, I cannot do this. I have tried. I've tried everything. The donkey sat down, bowed his head, and he wept. And the carrot fell down and he ate it. There's a lesson to be learned in there. The carrot slipped off the stick and he ate. Charles Spurgeon, great professor and preacher, said in the book Soul Winner, he said, though now we hear of people being spiritually healed before they have been wounded and brought into certainty of justification, and without ever having lamented their condemnation. We are very dubious as to the value of such healing and justification. This method is not according to truth. Listen to this part. God never clothes men until he has first stripped them. Neither does he quicken them by the gospel until they are first slain by the law. That's a real fancy way of saying to him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the springs of the water of life. But you have to be thirsty. You cannot earn it. You cannot buy it. You cannot find a substitute for it. Everything that you are wanting in your life is found only in Christ Jesus. That's it. We could preach about that from now until Jesus comes back and the message would never change and your needs would never change. Then Jesus says, he who overcomes will inherit all of this. He who overcomes what? Christianity Listen to this. You know what? Some of y'all, I I don't know why you're here, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't know the reason for your coming today, and a lot of you might be sitting there going, this is crap. You know, I've heard all this before, all this Christianity. I'm not into organized religion. Listen to this. Christianity is not a walk around and be nice to people religion. That is not the focus of Christianity. But too often, that's exactly what people think. Oh, if I got to be a Christian, I got to walk around and turn mother cheek and be nice to people. No, Christianity is not a walk around and be nice to people religion. It is a battle between life and death. He who overcomes, who is that that overcomes? The victorious soldier, the overcomer, the winner, the conqueror, the triumphant warrior. Who is that? Who is the victorious soldier? Who is the overcomer? Who is the winner? Who is the conqueror? Who is the triumphant warrior? It is the one who has won the battle, the battle against himself and what this world has to offer. I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes, he who overcomes, but what will he inherit? In the story of the prodigal son, this fella His dad's real rich, and he's kind of a young buck filling his oats, and he says, Dad, I want to go ahead and get my inheritance now. The dad says, fine. Gives him a bunch of money, and that guy goes out, and he uh, spends it and wastes it on every sinful desire he could find. But what he finds is himself in a pig pen, and the pigs are eating better than he is. 
He humbles himself and returns to his father. And it is then that he realizes that his true inheritance was the fact that he'd always had everything in his father, not in the money. The dad said, butcher the calf, put the robe, put the rings on, put him in sandals. This is my son. Everything I have, he has, and it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with all of this. What's mine is his and what's his is mine. I don't know. It's nearly what I said. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. Now, there's about 100 different Bible versions out there, and all that I have found except one in that verse, it says, he who overcomes will inherit all of this, comma, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But I love the Good News translation because in the Good News translation, there's a colon right there. Now, you think about it. You picture this sentence, he who overcomes will inherit all of this, comma, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But what would happen if it said this, he who overcomes will inherit all of this with a colon, I will be his God and he will be my son. That is all you need because it is in that relationship that everything else will be given unto you. Why? Because Jesus said so. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given unto you. There is nothing greater than that right there. You want to talk about your inheritance? There is nothing that you can get that is greater than God saying, I will be his God and he will be my son. C.S. Lewis says this. C.S. Lewis is the guy that wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of holding of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Are you far too easily pleased? So we just, what we did is we went through two verses in the Bible. We went through, uh, he said to me, it is done, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this and I will be his God and he will be my son. So what? What does it mean? Did we just come here so that I could go through a couple of words and tell you what they meant? Or do we have something to apply to our lives? Are we thirsty or are we satisfied with what the world has to offer? Are we thirsty or are we satisfied fooling around with drink and sex and ambition and making mud pies when infinite joy is offered to us. Are you thirsty or are you satisfied with what the world offers? Let me ask you this question. Could you sell, let me rephrase that. Would you sell everything right now and then give away what would not sell and count it as gain? Jesus said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have and give to the poor, then come and follow me. And the rich man turned around and he walked off sad, for he could not. Could you sell everything right now and then give away what was left and count it as gain? If you could, then you are thirsty. If you say no, you are perfectly satisfied with what this world has to offer and what you are experiencing now is all you're going to get. That's it. I hope it's worth it. What will you inherit? Will you inherit the pig pen or will you inherit perfection? Are you a cowboy or are you a coward? That's the dividing line. The Bible calls them sheep and goats. I call them cowboys and cowards. 
A coward gives in and bows down to society's standards. We're going to play by the rules of the world. And if, if we can get high up in, 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 in fame and in power in this world, then we have attained it. A coward gives in and bows down to society's standards. A coward caves to man's wants and desires. A coward clothes himself in sin and self-reliance, for he knows in his heart that he is a fool. A coward gives in and bows down to society's standards, caves to a man's wants and desires. A coward clothes himself in sin and self-reliance, for he knows in his heart that he is a fool. A cowboy bows down only to God, not the petty wishes of sin and his self. He overcomes the world and its philosophies of comfort and mud pie pleasures. The cowboy is able to get up when others fall and keep going when the world asks, why do you do what you do? Just as Moses said, I set before you a choice today, the choice between life and death. Today, in front of all of y'all sitting here, listening on the radio, watching on the internet, whether it's live or recorded, I set before y'all a choice today. You a cowboy or you a coward? Choose. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't shut that thing off yet. I, I got some news that'll get you pumped back up if you'll lend me your ear for just a sec. Remember this, www.savethecowboy.com. You can go there 24-7 and watch these sermons or catch up. No, not the kind you put on your fries. You can catch up on any messages that you've missed. You can do a lot of other stuff there as well, like make a donation to help us reach more people or just find out more about who we are. But here's the main thing. We'd like to start a Save the Cowboy in your area. We're looking for cowboys and cowgirls like you to help us do that. So just go to www.savethecowboy.com and contact us to find some more information, and I will personally call you back. Looking forward to hearing from you, amigos. This program was brought to you in part by Jim and Kelly Gerald of Integrity Auto Repair. Give them a call and tell them that you appreciate it. And if you're ever near Kiowa, Colorado and you need something, Integrity Auto Repair is exactly where you need to go.